Hey, and welcome to this podcast. My name is Wazi, and together with Erlin, I host this podcast, The Pearl Dialogues. And the purpose of it is to bring forth and share the personal spirit and the personal essence of the Diamond Approach. For those of you who are new to this work, the Diamond Approach is a teaching that is oriented towards inner realization, exploring the nature of reality, exploring our human potential. And this particular format, we are interviewing the teachers of the school by having conversations where we can dive into each teacher's personal journey of transformation, of discovery. This is the first episode where we interview Cornelia Schneider, who's been a student in the school since 96 and is now a teacher. In, in this episode, she shares her personal journey, her story of coming into this teaching. And I felt so many deep nuggets of wisdom coming through. So I really invite you to listen with presence and to listen deeply. Additionally, I want to say that our audience for this podcast is very broad. Some of you listening may not be familiar with the work. Others of you have been in the school one year, five years, 20 years. So you may encounter words or concepts that you're unfamiliar with. If so, I encourage you just to continue listening on. And if you'd like to dive deeper and you feel curious, you can check out the wonderful resource, which is the glossary. The glossary is basically a library where you can find detailed descriptions about the different concepts and keywords that we use in the podcast. You can find the glossary at diamondapproach.org glossary. Our intention is to release one podcast per month. So if you wish to stay in the loop and get notified, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And finally, I would like to say that if you have any questions or any comments or anything at all, you can contact us at ridwan.euyc at outlook.com. I will add the links in the description if you want to check them out. So with that, I say thank you for listening and I really hope you enjoy. Hey, and welcome everybody. Welcome Cornelia and I'm here with Elin. And this is the first episode of the Pearl Dialogues where we have soulful conversations with the teachers of the Diamond Approach. So welcome Cornelia. Welcome. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to you both. Or nice to be with you here in this shared space. Thank you. Yeah. And um, um, on the Ridwan website, Cornelia has uh, a page um, of a previous interview that she did. So in this podcast, we're going to dive into yeah different topics, different themes that's uh, relevant to. Connie's life and also aspects of the teachings that she's particularly curious about. So we wanted to open and begin by um, something that Connie shared with us before we came on. And it's that shift from moving from a seeker to a finder. 
as Connie has previous experience being in uh, non-dual teachings and then eventually moved into the diamond approach. So would you be open to share a little bit about that journey and, and what that signifies for you? Yeah, so I mean, I maybe defined myself as a seeker of truth around 18, 19, 20, when I started to connect this term in a way or with this deep longing in my heart for something bigger. And for, so I was learning many different teachings I heard about, I stepped into, and I was with one path for several years. And it was very much about being a seeker. And this is this attitude of trying to find what is missing. Or I always, also in my deepest suffering, there was this continuous <clears throat> movement towards something which I wasn't, didn't know so much, but I was continuing to follow. And so in this path I was mentioned, there was a lot we, we called ourselves seekers of truth. And it was also a path inviting a lot into the um, dimension which we call now pure awareness. So there was a lot of non-dual experience available. It was just happening. And, but it felt always so, then I stepped into the diamond approach and the journey continued. And we first did things like the pearl with many psychological teachings, which I knew already. And I went to this process, and but the seeking continued. And the seeking was also meaning, I'm not completely okay. Something is missing. There are these essential qualities out there somewhere. Once in a while, I contacted them, or I felt them, but there was still a splitting between me and essence. And I know in one retreat, I still know the retreat center I was sitting in, and there was an inquiry and it was a sunny day, <laughs> sunny sun. And then out of a sudden, I said in an inquiry this sentence, I'm not a seeker anymore, I'm a finder. And when I even say it now, it's just, it was a completion of this start of my journey because I know I can find what is needed much closer as I ever thought. So I can have this contact with essence or with emptiness in a, or with nothing or with fullness. It's just arising spontaneously here. It's not somewhere out there. And to make that shift in me was losing also my identity of a seeker. Mm. It was much more landing. So it's something you experience rather than go out to get it. Yeah. And it's connected to this openness to allowance and also recognition in a way it's already here. So in this orientation, 
what, what is this Latif about? <laughs> what is this essential quality? This it can be an outer orientation and it will be for in the beginning, but then it turned, oh, I do have to do nothing. It's just coming here. There is everything mm. in a kind of center, which is not a fixed one, but it's arising by being contactful with myself. And that in and there is a something added to that also because from the structure what we all learn about so much about what is structuring us. And part of our structure is also trying to keep us separate from the boundless. Mm. And but to find that I'm an individual in the boundless, with the boundless, and have being at the same, same time unique. Mm. That was really a gift of the diamond approach. To have to be able to also to live many states, mm. not only pure awareness. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, yeah. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing. Um, listen, I'm curious um, a little bit about if you want to explain how this process happened to you. It almost sounds like you had a sort of an awakening. Uh, and how old were you? Or, or am I right? I'm just guessing now that something shifted in your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I had many different types of shift. And the one I'm speaking about now is was happening within the diamond approach. Mm. And it felt, um, it felt in a way simple but it was so much clarifying. In a way, this moment was like letting go of so much of old ideas as well. So it's, it's, it's also a specific moment, which I can still remember of surrendering, mm. really surrendering. I have not to seek anymore. I have just to be aware where I am. That's it. Mm. And that was, that and that sudden understanding that was yeah something like that in a minute things shifted but it was not in earlier times i might have had ideas what enlightenment would have looked like it's often very simple it's simplifying life this is what i experience and this lightness and lightheartedness comes through, ease comes through. That is how I know, oh, realization is happening. Mm. It's easy in a deep way. It's not like cool and easy. No, it's easy, it's open, it's fresh. I can feel the transmission of that and um, yeah, it has a very powerful impact. 
And I also feel like when you speak of the of being a finder, I I I feel like the density or the embodiment of of that. And also when you speak of allowing and simply being aware of what is unfolding as opposed to seeking something outside of yourself or seeking a particular state or trying to maintain something, there is an incredible freedom that opens up. And I also notice like the personal element, you know, one word that came to me is being at home. And in that, in being at home, there is like that warmth and and also this personal feeling of love and and simultaneously elements of mystery and profundity so i can really feel like the the depth of the transmission of that yeah yeah and when you speak about love there comes up another element which certainly happened a little earlier before that kind of clarity but that was more self-love in a way but in that sense so one teacher said to me Connie you are diminishing your experience and I had no clue what she was meaning it was in small group and she gave me that sentence and then I was sitting with it and sitting and sitting and then I could see slowly yeah, I was seeking out there. I was not attuned to what was really happening here. I didn't take what was happening inside of me seriously enough. Mm. So that, and that was also a turn towards, towards really appreciating what I'm experiencing and to give that the allowance but also the appreciation. This is my experience and it has value. Mm. And that is what I like to give or, you know, invite students to, to really value the experience because there is often a mix between painful experience, but also beauty. Mm. And to let everything be there and not only concentrate maybe on the pain, which some people do. Hey, there's also so, so much beauty in the same moment. And I needed to learn that for myself, really. Mm. Yeah, so Connie, um... I am interested for people um, who maybe haven't, uh, doesn't know so much about you before. Like, um, where do you live? Where are you from? When, what age were you when you started your spiritual journey? Would you like to, to share something about yeah. that? Yeah, so I'm living in the middle of Germany, a bit on the countryside near Frankfurt. In the moment, sheep are coming close by. I just hear them. Ah. Young sheep. <laughs> so I'm happy to live here. And um, yeah, I said earlier in a way, so I started seeking maybe when I was 10 or 11, because I started to look into the universe and I was really drawn into the blackness of the universe. And 
it gave me something, it was my refuge, but there was already this longing so much activated. And I started to read everything I could find, like from astronomical books to psychological books or political books, because something was really deeply missing in my life. And I was reading Freud very early and all these things. And then I found a book, I started to study psycho psychology, sociology, and the art of education and art. And then I found a book, it was called Meditation. I was maybe 19. And then I took that book and there was written 20 minutes meditation every day, watching your breath. I decided to do that. And wow. I did that by myself for years in the beginning. I mean, and it's still valid, this type of meditation, but I didn't have a teacher. It was just happening. And so then I looked, studied many different paths, also Christianity to some degree, Tibetan Buddhism, Gurdjieff. And I was also with Bhagwan or Osho for a while for longer while, so to say, because he combined something of the, the Eastern wisdom with Western psychology. So that was informing me. And then I lived in a spiritual community and doing all these funny things, working. And I was cooking for 400 people vegetarian food. So I have now been to retreat centers, which remind me to that. <laughs> Ellie knows one of that. Yeah. So yeah, I also used to live at the spiritual retreat center. Yeah. 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 So, and that has its own challenges. Mm. And then I went into the world and I worked really in the, the, how you say, really in a company. And I was leading a li liaison center. Li and so I was a manager and I really had costumes on. <laughs> was presenting statistical reports with 50 men sitting around. Uh, I don't know why that happened, but it was so such a deep learning. I never stopped meditating, never. I was always on a spiritual path, but I also worked in the world. And I found out this is so good. There's so much intelligence. It's not better or worse than a spiritual community. No, <laughs> it is the same. It's all human life. I mean, it was not, it was a company where it was about, I was in the department where it was about new designs for a milk filling machine. So that was innovative. It was not so, so much oriented towards earning money. It was more creative, but I liked that to get to know all these people. And I kept meditating, I kept learning, I kept studying, healing in many ways. And then there was coming in this book, Essence, and it was Christmas 1995. And I was pregnant with my second child. I was 39 at that time. And then 
it was, oh, this is our next step. So my husband is also in the work or my partner. And three, since then I'm in the school. So 1996, our daughter got born and I started the work. Being a parent with, I did had not to work. So, but in the beginning, it was his shared task to take care of the children. So I also was missing a retreat here or there, mm-hmm. just to give enough holding to the children. So, and I'm in this work since 26 years now. And my daughter is 26, becoming 26. So. Yeah. So, and so my life was this spiritual seeking part and this becoming a finder happened maybe 20 years ago. That this shift happened in really, as you said earlier, Vasi, like landing and, okay, this is home here. This is this, this Connie home. This is what I got. <laughs> <laughs> this is what, what the absolute wants me to be. Yeah. Connie home. I like that. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Love that. Mm. Something about that strikes me about your experience, which I feel like mentioning is um you know, the consistency of practice, the dedication, the sincerity that was consistent through your process, through your journey, and um, being in the Dharma approach and uh, and being aware of the importance of practice, that really, yeah, speaks to me and, uh, and the significance of that. Um, could you speak a little bit about how, what you, how the significance of practice and and how you consider that within that process and and your journey of realization. Yeah, I mean, so like in the early years when I was a student and, you know, I started to meditate and there was all this free time. (laughs) At that time, being a student, I had, I mean, a student at university, I really had more free time and it was very consistent. I sometimes meditated two hours a day with different forms. And I continued that also in my in my spiritual community, for sure, and also later in work life. But becoming a mother made a shift. So I needed to change practice because it wasn't any more possible to sit freely and meditate during the day for 20 minutes. So I really changed. I, I, there was maybe for a while a super ego going on, but then I shifted the practice into sensing, looking, listening mm. while being with the kids. So, or I made myself, so it's maybe... <laughs> yes, I made myself the uh, the task. So when I turn on water, I will remember sensing arms and legs. And that worked very well. So I never lost that connection to presence. I mean, never is, is a bit big to say, but it, there was always this orientation to take these mini moments for sensing, or there was nothing more sweet or fulfilling 
to sit here. There is a terrace here. I was sitting with one of my children and just did nothing but had my nose in the presence of them. It was a baby child at that time. But just being with their presence, but being present as much as I could be myself, that was a very specific sweetness and reconnecting always to presence as much as I could. And that also like I really love to, to clean or to cook. And yeah, and I do that also with music, but it's, it's, it's also being very present, very alive, like dancing the cooking or dancing the cleaning. And that made, has also this easiness and enjoyment because it's in not it's not my enemies' tasks. This is <laughs> aliveness happening through cleaning something. Yeah. yeah, so the practice is not only the formal practice. This is maybe what I would like to underline. It is a practice in every moment possible. Or my husband, who was a very you know, high-level manager in IT, he said, oh, it's the nicest moment to do uh, looking, sensing, looking, listening is to sit in a boring manager meeting and do this practice. Uh, that's so funny. Yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah, and it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. So that's how it can happen in life. We need to be with what we are confronted with and do the best in this contactful being with ourselves any moment, if possible. May I? <clears throat> yeah, it's like something... Uh, when you say this, something resonates in me since I also have a, a small child and it's um, so much time being taken away where I usually would do spiritual practice and now I need to find something that that works. Right? Um, and when I hear you speak about this, there's like this sense of um, forgiveness in myself arising, like I feel the presence of forgiveness of like, yeah, I'm I'm living life as a normal person. I'm not living in a spiritual community or a, a, a convent. And I'm, I'm doing my very best as a mother, as a normal woman. And uh, I, really, I really appreciate that part of the work with the, the diamond approach to be able to be in the, in the real world and still do a very dedicated spiritual practice, which, uh, which I find is a bit unique. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it also means, I mean, there are these, you know, you get, Hamid might say to every morning, sensing, looking, listening in the bed. This is what he said during Quasars a lot. And I was always struggling. You know, my partner was lying in the same bed, or my children, some when I were, when they have been younger, is this really what I'd want to do the first? Do I really want to do it 
immediately or do I also just want to have a little hug or, you know, just being human? So I was not, I was then making this explicit sensing a little later. So I adjusted it to my life, what I wanted. I followed it, but I was not, I was really trying to, to make, not like a rule, but to, as a possibility. So when you have now a child and you might have to work, you are already doing a lot. Oh. How can you find now time for yourself? And then you need to decide, do you need an inquiry? Do you need 20 minute meditation? If there is anyway a gap. <laughs> so, and you probably cannot do all, but that's fine. Yeah. And I, and I like that, that it is fine. And it's like, yeah. I, I do my best personally to get space for my, my inner work. And there is a, there's a part of my soul and my flame that's like angry with me not living in a spiritual community or a <clears throat> convent or a ashram. Um, and that's why I talked about the like forgiveness before that like, yeah, I can forgive myself for not sitting yeah. and being in presence all the time. Like, um, or what I mean with presence, like I'm not a, I'm not living in awakening all the time. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's beautiful with this, yeah. with this work that it's like a, living on some sort of edge, but still mm -hmm. being, I don't know, is it called being mm, part of the world, but not of it? No. Yeah, still. it's being in the world, but not of it. Yeah. And so it's, it's really, I mean, it's, I, so when I go shopping here in the store and I know I was shopping in, in, in very simple forms or also in very expanded ways. So when I was maybe in the state of boundlessness, a specific way of very big expansion, which is not always present, and I went shopping and I know I went through this thing really in a way enlightened to a certain degree or really ecstatic. Nobody saw it. I looked like a normal housewife. And the, the, the people at the, the, where you, the cash have been friendly. I have been friendly and I left, but I was this, I was, the other world was completely with me. I mean, there was not a, not a stop with going from the meditation cushion to the store. Yeah, there was just, but it, it shifts. I mean, yeah, I can, so my state is shifting. So I'm in different states in this shop, but I was, I really know after retreats, especially I was completely, Everything was love state or thing, and I went shopping. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And I really love the aliveness uh, in in the cooking, aliveness in the cleaning, and and seeing life as a as a whole rather than you know compartmentalizing it and you know i'm doing this activity so now i'm dead and i'm doing it in a dead way and mm -hmm. uh, just you know that aliveness and that openness and i also feel that is a hallmark of 
of the diamond approach and speaking of the aliveness of the soul that everything you know the soul field and and bringing that into into action and and doing and yeah the unification of all dimensions of life and reality yeah 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 so you mentioned um boundlessness and We've spoken about, you know, from seeker to finder, um, you know, how you engage in non-dual teachings in the beginning and then uh, shifted into the diamond approach eventually. Um, have you seen like a, a shift from, you know, after that shift from seeker to a finder, how, like what's been the journey uh, when it comes to like the opening of the boundless dimensions for you within that context of, of being a finder? Yeah, I mean, it's more also acknowledgement or this subtle awareness that, that so the soul which is sitting here and is called Connie, she is having at the same time, uh, she has this form, but I don't feel it specifically now. So it's also, it's very expanded awareness or the field is quite expanded. And that feels natural now. So there is, I'm not, it feels natural to be so expanded, but at the same time to, to be informed sometimes with a very strong clarity or some specific power needed. But this, this contact with the depths or so there is this lighter version of expandedness but now when I speak I also feel more the darkness this mysterious invitation which we also call the absolute it's like also here it's not gone and it can be in the foreground or it goes in the background but it's never gone and that is this all-inclusiveness, <laughs> which is really a gift to have that possibility that this Connie soul got so free to really enjoy that being herself in connection with the depths and that this is not broken. So that was this earlier pain or what I, this self-love. So I'm worthy to be so fulfilled. That is still that, that is still this part of that shift to come. Yes, I, I'm allowed to find. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pure enough to, to experience everything as, possible. I mean, certainly there's always, I'm always a student, but this, yes, <laughs> you are completely okay and you can experience everything. And so the boundlessness has been part of my feelings all the time, but often I thought I would be, I'm just a channel, but now I'm not a channel anymore. So the boundlessness is in each cell as well as joy or, you know, it's just all there. Mm -hmm. And this, in, 
I'm this that this I is included or this body is included. That is part of that specific shift. And the boundlessness is just the transparency or the depths of mystery supporting what's happening. It's with you now as well. So when we sit in this room, it's not stopping here. It's whoop, right away through to Oslo and Sweden somewhere. It's like the, the internet before the internet, all connection and the yeah. internet. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I had actually, that is in this older past when I was a sannyasin, I was in Pune and then I had, you know, these threads to different friends and I saw that threads, like we, how we have been connected still, even though there have, we have been only letters every three weeks or so, but I deeply felt this connectivity. Mm. This this like also like stars with this light, uh, you know, this light <laughs> connection, somehow lines like lines. I never spoke about that actually, but this is also what is now uni uniting us as this diamond approach school but maybe beyond that as well. So stars connecting. So how would you say that you experience the body in this moment? In I feel my sit bones and, and then there is a field. And the, the sit bones are quite explicit as a physical knowing, I call it sit bones, and the rest of the body or this form is not, not fixed. So I see my hands moving, but I don't feel them. There is no border to the hands. It's more they are in this field moving. And this field is more lightness and not specifically concentrated, it's more also kind of empty. And in that emptiness, it's a light emptiness, so difficult to really fix it. And now I can concentrate something. There is a center and there is also joy and kind of openness on the heart level. This is a bit more, the center is then showing itself in this Oh, there's joy, is it? Joy sitting here and I notice I say things I, <laughs> I haven't shared, some things I haven't shared earlier. Okay, that's how it goes. But this then is connecting to the center, not so much to the bodily level. It is a bit in the background. Fascinating, loving it. <laughs> I, I, I am very, very aware of this um, 
the moment you begin starting about the absolute and that that nothingness i'm very aware of i i must say that i was while you were speaking i felt myself disappearing so that was very interesting and that is very interesting i feel it's like ongoing still um and that really kind of <laughs> yeah and even even my eyes being beginning to kind of um like the the gaze starting to kind of withdraw as if kind of getting blurry and then there was this awareness of voice and and also like the the thread of what you were sharing but that that nothingness became very dominant and that sense of disappearance yeah so as I was speaking earlier about this shop, so also nothing can go shopping. <laughs> totally. yeah. Now. I mean, you continue speaking now. Who is speaking? Mm. Who is speaking? <laughs> Who is laughing? <laughs> Who is listening? Yeah. <laughs> in this openness shall we shall we play the song yeah that'd be great huh? yeah. so right now we're gonna play a song that connie has handpicked for us and in the wake of that, she will share um, whatever she feels like sharing. Um, and if we just give me a moment, I will begin to share my uh, screen. Share here. There we go. Computer audio. I see 
<laughs> I need to take my sweater off. So shall I say something here? Okay. Yeah, so I this I chose that that song spontaneously. And there's this little story. So my daughter, when she was maybe 12 or so, she had a kind of homework and she needed to make an interview with her mom. What is the song you love the most? And I had I love thousands of songs, but I said this one, nothing else matters because I I really love it deeply. So it's like it has it has mystery, it has sweetness, it has depth, it has a bit of this seeking attitude, but it also has this wideness in a more, at least to some degree. And yeah, and so I said that song because always when it would be in the radio, I would turn it loud and also certainly would dance with it in case I had the opportunity. I didn't risk that here. But it's like, yeah, it has a, something. It's with the heart and with aliveness and also with depth in no matter, yeah, no matter what or yeah, open up to a different view. So that has been so important in my life all the time and still is. How can I open up to a different view? And, and it feels so heartful. So when I listen to the starting, these guitar riffs here, this slow, I feel a bit wetness in my eyes because this is, it, it has a beauty for me. And so the song is in the house and then there was a friend coming by and he played with Thomas, with my husband and my son. They played this song together. So one on the piano, piano or whatever, piano, and two at the guitar. And it was in the house, you know, they, they did that together, these generations also. And then this friend died. Out of a sudden, within four weeks, he died, or very abrupt, he died. And then at his celebration, in his celebration of our group, he was part of the Ritwan community, we also sang that song together, and we played the guitar and made the music, and we, we sang that. So it has this, I don't know, it happened to be in my life very often. And I really like to listen to it and continue to listen to it. And so I put out these texts and I was, can I put that out in read one context? <laughs> and it's also nice to have this kind of the possibility of a podcast because normally in groups, I wouldn't play that song, who knows? But you know, normally you seek a bit more sacred song or something which is a bit neutral. Is but to have this song, which has also this wildness of metal music in it, it's something I which resonates with my soul as well. <laughs> 
as well as his soft sweetness, which is in that. Yeah. And then when they sing this song, and they probably can interpret it in different ways, but yes, so it's so close to my heart or always open to a different view. It's, that is close to me. I could put out these wordings as well, but others did and made their version of it, whatever they are seeking or finding in their lives, but it brought, is bringing a lot of resonance for me. Also in having found so much already, it has a really a beautiful, it's really a beautiful expression of music for me. And then there is this line, which I, because we spoke a little bit about this shift, I, it happened to me. And so in this line, forever trusting who we are. So that is part of that gift to trust, in that case, myself, but in forever trust who you are or who you are, that this is this line is also so beautiful that this is what we're trying to learn in the diamond approach to relax and to trust ourselves that everything is there in us already it just needs some freedom to be visible or experienceable mm. all unfolding Forever trust in who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I feel like I want to invite uh, my colleague Wes in this. Like, what what happens in you when you you hear this song? What's your experience now? Hey. Yeah, so right now I feel a tremendous amount of gratitude and appreciation for being here and, and spending time with you. And I feel also it's an honor to, to have access to this teaching and to, to um, is such precious and deep um, that the knowledge and the spiritual knowledge that comes through this teaching and how it's so so well-rounded and so complete I, I that's how I feel it to be and when I was listening to the song uh, I could very much appreciate the beauty that you brought into the space you know with the with the beginning of ding 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 just loving that completely and then noticing the words um, trusting who we are as well and that kind of set the tone for the whole song I felt like and that was just like poof, deeper relaxation and then when the when the guitar riff came on then there was like the explosion and I started dancing and just smiling from ear to ear with the ecstasy of that 
force, the ecstasy of that music, that sound, which is just so alive and so, yeah, so imbued with aliveness and beauty and, uh, yeah, truly profound. And I also notice quite a bit of joy, you know, celebration kind of joy in in witnessing this uh, with you guys and, and being aware of like us, this happening together in this joint space and and just like the overarching also awareness of this, you know, what rang in me, continue to ring in me is this, who is listening, who is speaking and nothing kind of, nothing shopping or nothing being and nothing listening and nothing sounding. So, so there was like this whole, journey of that which is continuing which is not gone it's just changing and i'm reflecting <laughs> so for me you know that's that's what's alive and uh, with that i'm very curious to hear ellen's journey and perspective and yeah sharing yeah thank you <laughs> yeah i'm sitting here uh, and I'm actually experiencing these small, small tears, like simmering from my eyes, like one, one tear at a time. Uh, and uh, I, I have loved this song for a very long time. Um, I found it when I was quite young, actually, when I was in my alternative, uh, wanting to only wear black clothes and having black hair face uh, and it because it was something so true for me in it and then I I shifted it away it's like no this is bad I'm not supposed to be a rebellious teenager and now I listen to it again for a very long time and I hear this space of like the heart like listen to your heart and nothing else matters in this immense wisdom in this metal song and I, I find it it's so beautiful it's like and there's there is pain and there is sadness and there is there is love there's this like bittersweet love and also this what touched me a lot was your story afterwards about your friend that then died which also makes it so much important like nothing else matters than just being here and to trust your heart and to follow your truth because this is life is not for granted and uh, yeah i feel i feel vulnerable in front of this song and i feel there's something extremely important here and it's it's amazing. Thank you for <laughs> for being here with me <laughs> in Germany and Austria. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, a breath. <laughs> I invite for a breath. I'm breathing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Also this 
I never opened myself this way. Mm-hmm. And I did it my way. Like it's, uh, it's not about other people to define you. It's not about other people to tell you who you are. And if, if you are not seeking for that yourself or finding it as we've been talking about now, I think it's quite easy that other people will tell you who you are and brainwash you into it. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful experience to have presence and to be aware so you can sort of brainwash yourself into what matters for your heart and your truth. Mm. And that's, that's what's coming up in me. Thank you. <laughs> can you riff on that, uh, Connie, that part of other people telling who you are like how have you had any like projection basically (laughs) I mean to be a teacher means to deal with projection (laughs) 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 and sometimes you don't know what you have signed up for (laughs) I mean it's not it's not the biggest part of this role but part of the role is to be, you know, people think, make a picture of you, which you, it's not me or so, or that certainly happens, or that, um, and that can be, so that is, can be a challenge in several situations, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I think, so I had this dedication to find out who I was. And um, yeah, and that brings in, and it was about freedom. So the word freedom was always important. And, but I had not so many tools as now to distinguish, distinguish the superego out. Mm-hmm. Because many ideas of who I am <laughs> was had been also super ego ideas. So not only the the parents super ego voices, but when I was in that other past with Sanyasin, for example, luckily I had I was a bit stubborn. I did not do everything. I was more I tr- I picked things out. But, you know, you could have been there, the super ego, you are not juicy enough, or you you are not, uh, you know, you don't, you are not open enough and not flirt around all the time or things like that. So these new forms of super ego, I needed also to, which was connected to finding more freedom, but to sort that out. No, I am what I am. <laughs> I go my way and not follow that new rules. It's the same with the diamond approach. In a way, it's like you hear a teaching and maybe you're not there. Then what? It will come maybe two years later or then you have to make an inquiry into hate and maybe you don't feel it. Or other way around, you have to make an interview, interview, I say, an inquiry into love and maybe you feel only hate, then what? So that's, that are important junctures to really honor where you are. 
And certainly I needed to learn that. With the brainwash part, <laughs> there can be always so entrusting and surrendering, it can be misused from spiritual teachers as well. So that is important also. That, um, yeah, to, to still keep, you know, questioning what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, and certainly with the diamond approach, I had the chance to meet Hamid quite regularly. And it's also to test that. Is he integer? So is this person in the path of integrity, human integrity? Because, you know, the Sanyas movement had a very bad development because of some reasons of not being awake to distortions. And that was also a big lesson to see that, that in some cases I trusted too much. Mm. Heavy experience, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, awakening also. <laughs> In a way. And, and I, I actually noticed that when you, uh, in the page on the Ridwan, the Meet the Teacher page, page how you emphasize that with integrity and the importance of that for you. Like, how would you describe your experience of integrity? How do you understand integrity? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I have maybe meanwhile, I understand integrity as one way to describe it is the centers working together. So it's like having a belly and being grounded and an open heart, listening, caring, loving, and an, um, an intelligent head center, which is courageous enough to ask its questions <laughs> yeah so it can be it's a type of honesty sincerity honesty is combined with integrity and being and certainly and that is also in this whole journey i had not to act out so i can have my feelings I can have my hate or my doubt or whatever, but I have I can feel that that is the invitation, but I cannot go around and act that out. Which but it's a difference between acting out and making being clear and saying, please don't use me for that. Or, so it's always a very vivid edge between discriminating what is a truth which has to be spoken, for example, because it needs to be clear. Also in, in our groups, for example, or when somebody is maybe intrusive in an inquiry and leaning forward and giving you an advice, which is maybe not appropriate. And how can you 
what do you do then? <laughs> and how can there be a space of integer action if needed? And just saying, sorry, I, I don't want the advice here. I, it's not needed for me here. Or, you know, something I don't, yeah. But so the integrity is to be honest towards myself and with others. Honesty and loving the boundary also. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, and acknowledging boundaries, for example, mm -hmm. it's often needed this kind of integer honesty are we in our relational world, so to say, there we need that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. and important since there's so much uh, connection arising in this type of work, you also have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel moved to like segue into what we touched upon before we came on like around the freedom vehicle and, and freedom and the degrees of freedom and the freedom from concept I personally feel that I'm very curious about that um, so if you would like to share a little bit you know what and I also hear, hear that, you know, you also share that that is something that is working in you or that you are exploring at current time, right? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly true. So Hamid was introducing the Freedom Vehicles many, some years ago. So it's a bit a newer development within the school compared to the Pearl and the Point. Mm. boundless dimension and so I, I never knew what in the beginning we always heard there are 10 vehicles Who's in, who, who knows what the vehicle meant at that time and then there is a freedom vehicle what does that mean so ideas popped up so but the word freedom was very compelling and now it's a getting closer in in establishing or learning to live it with it. And, but they are different, but what the teaching brought also in, a, in that way is this openness to every other approach as well. And there was a, a, a meeting, a teacher meeting where Hamid was teaching and he spoke about the concept, the diamond approach is just a concept and really go, allow the soul to go beyond any concept. And, and in that moment, I was trusting. So when a teaching is not assuming I'm the only teaching, I'm the only truth, when a teaching would say that, and some teachings try to say that. But in that moment, it was completely open. We can go beyond that. That, that made, that was giving me the trust and, the, and reminding me of the integrity I was looking for. 
okay, we have not to take ourselves completely serious. <laughs> we learn so beautifully with this approach. We learn it gives us so much really good tools to be with reality. And who knows what else could be there beyond? Who knows? And maybe there's nothing left, but it's this unrolling, it's this open-ended inquiry, this open-ended realization that gives me trust. Mm. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and so we speak Ritwanese in the meantime. We use this type of languaging, and it's not the it's not the end. It's just using terms to help us, but it's just using terms. What is beyond these terms? Yeah. That is very interesting. Who are we when we drop also using these terms? And at the same time these tools, the, which the terms are representing, so there's a much, a lot of knowledge behind, help us to become even more free to let it go. Mm. And that is what I'm really like. And so also in life, because earlier you asked about how is it in daily life, it's also to be very simple. <laughs> yeah, so I'm you know, cutting in the garden, which is part of what I like to do. The cutting of the bushes is, who is cutting the bushes? No, it's not very defined. It's not a Ritwan teacher cutting bushes. Mm. It's a simple, nobody cutting bushes or so. So that can happen as well. So all these terms are dropping. And life is, you know, <laughs> Maybe as simple as when I started the journey, but it's much more easy now and much more free as in the beginning. So when, when I said I, I'm in this shop, I'm a housewife, sure, I look like a housewife and, you know, for them. But because of this 40-year journey or whatever, a little longer, I'm not a housewife. I'm a housewife and I'm a kind of unusual housewife. <laughs> a nothing housewife or a fully embodied housewife or you know what, soul is endlessly playing itself. So I can also continue to speak. <laughs> yes. Yeah, please. <laughs> Yeah. Um, unless Ellen, you you have something to put. I I just want to bring in something. Um, like yesterday or the day before yesterday, sometimes I have these themes or like periods during the day where there will be this, where the personality becomes agitated. And with that comes a sense of suffering or a sense of like drain of some kind, like draining. And, and, and how I be with that is like, I consider that to be a metabolizing of the structure and kind of embodying it 
and, and embodying the process to my to the greatest my greatest capacity and and doing what I can to really understand it. Um, like, is there is there is there in any way like a? I do notice over the years that you know that there is a shift. But what my question is is, is there any end to anything? If you make my question, you understand what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I so I would say I don't know. Um, mm, so I'm also thinking of Hamid what he would say here also. And certainly he says it's open-ended and I am but there it's it's so much more less yeah yeah it's so much more i mean there can be periods of of ongoing lightness for for months and then out of a sudden something pops up mm -hmm. and it needs to be digested it needs to be metabolized it needs to be looked at mm -hmm. and it can things like that so it's it's sending out the issues also so the structuring is sending out the heavy structuring and once in a while deep stuff comes up because as deeper the unfoldment is as deeper the realization the younger places younger places can come in which are standing in the way. So every, every new form of realization or enlightenment in older words, so to say, can bring up deeper issues. But it's, it's not completely ending, but it's thinning. It's very much thinning out. Mm. I'm aware of time. We're moving. Yeah. We're yeah. Um, 58, 59 now. And yeah, I want to say, I mean, my heart is saying thank you so much. It's just like, ooh, I feel like it's like a bouquet of flowers coming out. <laughs> really feeling super grateful for this conversation and um, for you, Connie, and uh, for you, Elian, and the beautiful beautiful space that we've co-created to to bring about this conversation and this dialogue yeah yeah and thank you Ace <laughs> you as well <laughs> yeah and Connie yeah yeah thank you both it was nice hanging out together mm. yeah. yeah it was yeah yeah the next guest will be Prakash McKay Oh, <laughs> who you may know. I, I, I know him, yeah. Also yeah. interesting, I think. <laughs> also interesting. <laughs> I said also. Yeah, also no, interesting. It's really yeah. sweet. To, is it your teacher, Vasi? This is my private teacher, yes. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so check out the next one as well. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best. Any last words, any of you? Maybe a checkout word? Or are you all right now? A checkout word? What? Checkout word, yeah. Like, 
I'm experiencing a lot of hope for going out in my day now after this beautiful conversation I'm looking forward to what life is going to bring me that's where I am at mm. where are you at right now I feel very inspired I feel very inspired and like more like a I feel there is a lot of momentum of creativity and wanting to kind of share this work and share the share this beauty and share the, the power of 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 truth basically thank you and how about you Khan? yeah i feel touched i feel joyful i think i will hear the song again loud <laughs> in my kitchen and i'm really enjoyed it being with you so it's an aliveness sweetness and and also this creative element. And I'm happy to, in a way, to learn and continue to learn about, you know, podcast or stuff which young people do. <laughs> yeah, it's just good to include, continue to include it, even though I don't personally have so much time for it mm. with all the social media. But it's also interesting to to be in touch with it, mm -hmm. I find, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>